Hey, this is Joe Bakamutsky and welcome to Simplify Cancer podcast. Look, I'm a huge fan of adding something new to your life after cancer. Something that means the world to you. Something that you really care about, not because it's the right thing to do, but because it helps you to make sense of it all. Helps you to make sense of your life the way it is now. And that's why I have so much in common with Dana. She's, she's really had a rough time of adjusting back to life after cancer, like, like we all do. And she's kind of took all of her energy and, and she's channeled it into becoming an advocate for young adults who had cancer. And also becoming an advocate for cancer survivors and their caregivers. So Dana is truly an inspiration for me because she's found a solution to deal with the aftermath of cancer in a way that not only helps her, but it also helps others who are going through the exact same thing. And you know what? She's doing it not because it's easy, but because it works. Here's Dana. Well, Dana, thanks so much for joining me. I really want to go back to like, if, if like if we had the time machine and we were to go back to this crazy time when you found out you had cancer, how did you react? Like what went through your mind? Um, my very first thought was I never thought I would get it. I mean, I feel naive saying that, but I was 32 years old. I really had no family history. So for me, it was like for everybody, it was a, a massive shock, but I was in that initial denial, like this, this can't be happening. This would have never happened to me. I, I know everybody says that, but it was nothing that I ever planned on happening, unfortunately. So yeah, absolutely. And, and your family and your friends, how did they react? Like, did they support you in a way that, that you wanted to be supported? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think everybody kind of shared in, in the surprise and denial, if you will, like I did. You know, when I originally found my lump, I unfortunately didn't act on it immediately because I had that mindset of, oh, I'm so young. You know, nobody in my family had breast cancer. I'm sure it's nothing. I'll kind of just go about my life. And the next time I see my doctor, you know, I'll have it checked. And even when I had it checked, they really weren't worried. It didn't feel like cancer. So, you know, everybody was kind of status quo. And then when it, you know, we, I, we started going down that road that it really was cancer. Um, you know, the, the good thing is after my friends and family got over that initial shock, I was blown away by the support I, I received. You know, I, you kind of find out who your friends and family really are. And it, it was pretty amazing. And it actually, it's what got me through because I didn't get a lot of the, you know, crying. They wouldn't let me be the woes me. Like, you know, they're kind of like, fine, we're just, we're going to fight this with you. And it, it, it was pretty, it was an incredible journey for them to be with me on. Yeah, that's, that's so fantastic to hear that. And I guess, you know, even if you have those people who are really close to you and they're really supporting you through it, it can still be pretty, um, you know, really tough to deal with like, um, emotionally and mentally because you're constantly like in between treatment and you're waiting for results and, and like to hear from your specialist. Was there anything that kind of helped you to stay on top of it emotionally and, and mentally? During treatment, I, I kind of found that I was on autopilot. You know, I had my list of appointments, my treatments, um, my, my surgeries, everything. You know, I'm kind of a planner. So everything, you know, as long as I had my list of, you know, here's what I have to do. And, you know, I worked with my nurse navigator on that. I felt pretty comfortable that I could make it through. Um, and like I said, I kind of turned on autopilot. So the emotions were kind of suppressed. For me, it was just, let's do everything they tell me to do and let's get this done and move on with my life. So that was in my, opinion, kind of the easy part. It was the aftermath for me. That was a lot more difficult. I allowed myself to feel the emotions when I was done with my final chemo treatment. And, and that's where it really got tough for me more so than the treatment itself. Um, and one of the big things that I afraid the cancer is going to come back. Nobody understands this. 
threw that on a piece of paper and was allowed to just get it out there. And the paper never judged me. And I think that was probably one of the best tools that I ever used to get through. Yeah, that's fantastic. So was was it was there like a diary that you had? Would you, would you write in it every day? Yeah, um, not every day. I wrote it in a lot. And I kind of also used it to keep track of my journey. Um, you know, today I went to the doctor and we finalized my, um, my surgery. Um, you know, and I decided to go with a mastectomy. And here were my thoughts why I did that. And then I would... I One of the big things I did was in the back of it, I cut out or printed out small pictures of family and friends and trips and all the stuff that I had done before my treatment started and kind of, you know, put a little collage together. And I remember titling it, why am I doing this? Because chemo's hard and making these surgery decisions to remove parts of your body is terrifying. So I had to kind of remind myself, why am I doing this? What am I doing? And yeah. I put all that together and I would go to the back of the, the notebook and look back and be like, because of these people and these things that happened in my life. And that's why. So I wrote it in a ton and I carried it with me to every appointment. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Then I, I really agree with you. Like this having a visual cue, having this reminder of what you're fighting for. This is the, that's, that's really powerful. And did you kind of come up with it yourself? Yeah. I mean, I've kind of got, um, I, I like to do that, you know, visual, you know, creative kind of thing, like scrapbooking and things like that, where, you know, it was something that I knew that if I had that with me, I would stay on the course. So, and, and I love to write and, you know, uh, journaling has always kind of helped me. So just having that notebook with me was almost like my version of a little kid with a teddy bear. It just was very comforting to always have that wherever I was going. So it, you know, it was, it was there. It was my safe place. Yeah, that's fantastic because it also gets gets all these worries out of your head and out into the real world, like on, on the paper, whatever it is, but it's <laughs> out of your head. Exactly. And that's where it needs to go. Otherwise, I, I you know, bottlenecks up there and not good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and And then you mentioned that like it really hit you emotionally when when you finished treatment. So what happened and why do you think it worked out that way? For me, I don't bottle up my emotions per se, but I was in that fight mode. And I, in looking back in my mind, I was like, I don't have time to worry and be fearful. I, I have to go through chemo. I have to decide what kind of surgery I'm going to do. I have my, the big thing was I have to hope I live and make through this. I have cancer. I have no idea what's happening with it. You know, you hear the word and you think you're dead on Tuesday. So in my mind, it was just emotions, I'll worry about them later. Looking back, I, you know, I kind of wish I wouldn't have done that. I kind of wish I would have gone through the process, you know, as it was happening. And so for me, I, I bottled it up. I had my last chemo. I had seen doctors, what, every week to every three weeks. And then it was, I was finished with my last chemo treatment and they were like, Hey, cool. You're done. Great. We'll see you in two months. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> so that's when I kind of, I, 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 I say I crashed and burned. I, I had a complete meltdown couldn't stop crying. It kind of all flooded in at that moment, what had happened to me for the last six months. And I, I, I think that's why the emotional toll was so late for me because I just, I didn't have time to do it when I was trying to figure out, you know, how was I going to be cancer? Cool. Uh, how did you get through it? How did you get through this, uh, this really tough time? So I talk a lot and I talk to a lot of people. Um, I actually saw a therapist and I, I know sometimes people are like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, that must mean you're crazy. I tell everybody, go talk to somebody, talk to, to a professional, talk to somebody who's not a family or a friend who's going to, you know, automatically just be like, you're going to be okay. It's okay. You kind of need to hear like from somebody who 
really doesn't know you or, or, or just is a professional in the situation saying, all right, here's why this is happening. Here's what you can do to get out of it. And yes, right now you need to mourn this situation. So I, I found that going to, to speak to somebody, and quite honestly, I still talk to somebody today, helped me tremendously kind of break down what was happening because I didn't understand it. I was like, I should be so happy. I'm done. Everybody wants to celebrate. This is so great. And I'm miserable. So going and talking to someone just, it, it was a game changer. Yeah, that's fantastic, Dan. I think that's so brave of you because uh, I guess I'm speaking for myself here, but probably for, for many of us, like it doesn't really occur to you to go and see a professional, right? Because you kind of, it's like it's chance, it's supposed to be tough, right? Like, right, right. And, and and that was the thing too. And I, my oncologist was the one who told me, he's like, I think you just need to go talk to somebody. Yeah. And I was like, uh, about what? Because <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't click. You know, you're not, I'm like, what, what am I supposed to talk about? And then, you know, when I kind of went through the process, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's someone, I think it's really great. Like in many ways, it's almost like a stranger on a train. Like you can really, like there's, there's, there's no filter. There's like, there's clearly no agenda. You can just say like whatever you want, right? Exactly. And it kind of goes back to that whole judgment thing. Um, you know, if your family and friends are, are good family and friends, they're not going to judge you, but you're still not going to maybe open up as much and tell them like, oh, I, I'm so afraid that I'm not going to live past, you know, the next year. And I, I would dabble in that a little bit with, with like my parents or my friends. Like, oh, no, no, you're, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's like, you don't know that. And you don't know that how I feel, you know, by saying that. So going to somebody who, like you say, a stranger on the train, they're not saying, oh, don't think that. They're like, yeah, here's why you're thinking that. And it helps break it down. You're like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm really not crazy. These are normal feelings. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that and- helped. Yeah, yeah. And during that time, and I guess just um, both during treatment and after, like, uh, it's, it's obviously so, so hard for not only yourself, but also for the, for the people close to you. I, I know you're really close with your mom. So it, it's really hard for them to, to kind of watch you go through cancer. Like in your experience, what are some of the biggest challenges for the caregiver? Um, that's a good question. I, I honestly, I think they're some of the, uh, most forgotten people in this whole thing. I mean, granted, I, I, the focus has to be on, on the person going through it, but the caregivers are kind of needed and they're those rocks that we need. And then, you know, their emotions and everything are kind of pushed aside. Like, you know, you don't want to hear it. I don't care that you're upset today. I just had a mastectomy. So, you know, you feeling worried, I don't really want to hear it. And I kind of went back and forth with my mom and dad. Mostly my mom was my caregiver. And we struggled a couple times because she would want to tell me her emotions. Like, I don't want to hear you saying you're going to die. You're going to live. You're going to be fine. And I was like, I don't want to hear you say that. I don't want to hear that you're upset. I don't want to hear, you know, that you don't agree with what I'm saying. And and we would butt heads a bit because it was hard for me to process her emotions because I couldn't even process mine. And then she had nobody to talk to because none of her friends had kids that were going through cancer at that time. So she was kind of just like, all right, well, I got to support my daughter and nobody can support me. And we talked a lot about that, especially after I was done. And um, one of the things that my mom and I agreed um, about right after I had kind of my, you know, crash and burn after treatment was we're going to agree to disagree. She's going to feel this way. I'm going to feel this way. And we're both going to just realize that that's what's happening. And it was a lot better than us trying to be like dissecting each other's feelings and trying to understand what we couldn't understand. So the caregiver situation is very interesting to me now that I'm so far out and seeing it more. It's they're like the forgotten people. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great way of putting it. Yeah, they really are the forgotten people. (laughs) 
I'm like, well, what are, and I like, feel bad saying it because we need them, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because really, like the way that I see it is, you know, obviously, like like you said, like the whole focus is like on on the person going through cancer. But when you're the caregiver, you've got not only to you know be the rock and support the person who's going through it, but you also have to try to maintain some sort of semblance of normal everyday life. You have to still try to go on and kind of show up and, and be normal or whatever that, that is, right? <laughs> Very true. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So what sort of advice would you have for, for someone who is a caregiver, for someone who, well, like what should you do to support someone through cancer, but also to support themselves and to kind of take care of themselves as well? Good question. I'm not sure I have a 100% answer, but when you support the person going through the cancer, I, I I don't know how to say it without sounding like a real awful person, but you know, you have to make sure their emotions and what they're going through in that moment is is the focus when you're talking to them. Just kind of let them talk it out. Don't fight what they're saying. If they're telling you, I'm terrified the cancer is going to come back and I'm so worried I'm going to die. But what didn't help me was, oh, no, 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 you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just Except like, okay, I, I'm hearing you. I, that must be so scary. Tell me that at any time, you know, I'm here to listen. And I, I think just kind of accepting what that person is saying and being there to just be their sounding board because both of you have no idea what to expect in this whole thing. So, you know, trying to challenge back their feelings, at least for me, didn't work. The other thing is I would say, take care of yourself, find somebody to talk to, find a friend, find a professional you know, make sure you're still taking care of yourself. It's so easy to forget yourself when you're worried about your, your sister, your husband, your, your daughter, you know, whoever, your friend. And I, I think that just reminding, you know, as a caregiver, self-care, you need to get your rest. You need to talk. You need to go exercise. You need to do your stuff too. You're as important to yourself as that person that you're caring for. It's a very tough place to be. It really is. Yeah. So true, Dana. And look, I really connected with your, your article on how we need to focus about living stories that that's so important and that's something that you know nobody really talks about so so can, can you share your perspective on that well you know the, the way i was thinking about it was you know i i feel like you get so caught up in like cancer death and uh, <laughs> nobody sees anything in between and, and and i mean i don't mean to be negative but perfect example of it to me is my when i was diagnosed my grandpa was i don't know 80 something at the time and you know he was he was around in in the early days where you know you were diagnosed with cancer and were dead. So I was diagnosed with cancer and we laugh about it now it's not really that funny but I was like I'm I, I'm convinced you know I was diagnosed on a Tuesday and grandpa thought I'd be dead by Saturday. I mean he was just like having a meltdown. So I'm like guys like <laughs> it's not a death sentence. Like let let's focus on the living things and things that are going on and like these everyday stories and and this instead of worrying about you know and, and I I stink at it. I am so fearful half the time that, you know, my cancer is going to recur and I'm, I'm not going to live, you know, long enough to do anything. I was, I was diagnosed when I was 32. I was terrified. I was never going to make 40. And I just think we just, at least for me, I got so hung up on stuff like that. You just kind of miss out on everything else. I mean, cancer is not a good thing by any means, but there are things that it kind of, kind of awaken in you to kind of go and do what you want to do. And that, that's kind of like the perspective that's taken me in all fairness, a really long time to figure out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because we we because we hear all like you're right. We hear all these so negative stories about cancer and about death and dying and about you know all, all this ne- all this negative stuff that's really really isn't supportive. Like because like yourself, I wanted to hear the positive stories. I wanted to hear the stories that let me know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I wanted to know that you could overcome cancer and have a life beyond that. You know. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's a really hard lesson to learn. And again, in the instruction book that doesn't exist, nobody tells you that. <laughs> nobody tells you that. <laughs> so it's, it's so hard to, to figure that out and, and see that it's potentially not a death sentence, whether you're stage one or stage four. In my opinion, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean that everything stops today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if we had, if you we were writing this survival manual that, that doesn't exist, <laughs> so, so what, what, you know, if, for, for, especially like if I had the chapter for young adults, cause that's a real, a real area that is probably overlooked again. So what sort of advice do you have for younger folks who are forced to confront cancer and it's the last thing they have expected? How do you deal with it all? Oh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> it, it, I, like <laughs> I've said it a couple of times. So I was 32. I was single, no kids. And I, I feel like in, in the culture today, you know, when you think of cancer and, and you think of diagnosis, you think like, Oh, my grandma, my uncle, you know, older people. And I, I, at least initially, you know, that was eight years ago. I was like, God, young adults are, are the forgotten people or, you know, we're not the childhood cancer or not these older adults, you know, one in two people who are going to get cancer in the lifetime or whatever it is, you know, we're kind of in the middle that nobody wants to think about and nobody expects to get it. So that to me is almost the biggest struggle. And, um, you know, my advice would be, and this is so easy to say, and I know when I was diagnosed, I didn't want to hear it, but it doesn't mean that everything's done. It doesn't mean that you can't go and do whatever you want to do. And it also doesn't mean that you just have to listen to a doctor who's going to tell you, like, if you feel a lump or you don't feel well, whatever the case may be, that um, you're fine. You're too young. Don't worry about it. You know, I've, I've heard those stories before, too. And that always just sends me over the edge with with young adults facing cancer, because I, I know many people who are kind of brushed off like, no, 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 you're too young. So, you know, it, it, to me, it's it's at least even at the beginning, fight for, you know, your body and make sure you're getting the care and the treatment from medical professionals that you think is right for you. And don't let them tell you you're too young because I've heard it. People have heard it. And then, you know, if you're already diagnosed and you've hit that point, what helped me was I had a bucket list of stuff I wanted to do immediately that I refused to wait for anymore. Not because I'm telling anybody like, oh, if you have young adult cancer, that's it for you. But use this as your wake up call to go and do. Don't do the waiting. Don't wait around and just, oh, someday I'll do it. Just go do it. Whether it's something as silly as, you know, I don't know being a tourist in your own town to taking that trip that you always wanted to take. I, I just, I feel like people just get so hung up on, Oh, you know, I, I got cancer at a young age. So, you know, that's it for me. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, exactly. Like I know that it's, it's such a cliche, but cancer was such an incredible wake up call that like, I, it made me realize that, yeah, there is no time like now. I mean, the, the, the past is gone. The future yep. completely you know, shrouded in this, unknown and the only time to to kind of live your life is right now (laughs) isn't it It, it, it's so true and you know i don't like to give cancer credit for anything because it completely stinks and it it can screw up your life plans pretty quick but it can be a wake-up call 
that you can turn into a positive. And that kind of brings me to um, another thing that I did that was an amazing little adventure. So one of my oldest friends, um, she's about six years younger than me. I've known her since she was born. Um, I was a babysitter, you know, or like sisters. She was diagnosed with breast cancer two years after me, which was absolutely ridiculous because I thought I took one for the team thinking nobody else was, you know, going to be affected this young. It's not that common. So we kind of went through it together. And when we were both, I was done and then she was done. And we're like, you know what? We're not going to waste any more time on anything. So she had come up with the idea. Let's do something, one new thing every single day for a year. And we called it Life It Up 365. And we did something new every single day for an entire year, it was something as silly as learning to tie a tie, trying a new food, whatever the case may be. And we came up with, we each did our own things and some things we did together. But for that entire year, we did a new thing. And it was probably one of the most incredible things I've ever done. And I assure you, I never would have even thought of it had I not had cancer. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Life at App 365. <laughs> Is that what you call it? Yeah. Oh, I yes. Love yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that should be a website. Well, we had uh, started a Facebook page. And we had gotten the, she had gotten the idea from a, a lady that she had seen speak who had done something similar. And so then we kind of did it and, uh, you know, took our own twist onto it. We always keep saying, we're like, we got to keep this going. And then, you know, life kind of interjected again, but yeah, <laughs> we need to kind of restart that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know that one thing that comes up for every single person who went through cancer is obviously the fear of, of cancer coming back. I mean, I always get that before, before my regular checkup. So like, how do you deal with it? And what would you recommend to someone who's going through it? I'll be completely honest with you. I've struggled with it for a long time. I'm eight years out and I still have fears. Um, and I mentioned earlier, I still go talk to somebody because I am still fearful. And what didn't help me and this might help others. So, you know, it depends on the person was, you know, a lot of people told me like, oh, that fear will go away and you'll feel so much better in a year, two, three, five years. It always sits with me. So I like to tell people, you know, it's okay if it doesn't go away. And, and it's to me, it's, it's not the fact that it's gone away. I've just gotten better with dealing with it. And over time, you know, I, I can just handle it better than I used to. Um, I think it's normal. I think it's common. I think it's absolutely right to fear it and don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't and you're fine and you should move on. I go back to some of the other things I talked about with you earlier. I still do a lot of writing. I still talk to somebody. Just getting those words out there to me is what's helped so much more than just keeping it bottled up. Um, I tried bottling it up a year after I was done. I tried bottling it up four years after I was done and it did not work. So I tell people, talk about it and don't be upset if it doesn't go away. It may not. It may always be a part of your, you know, cancer journey, whether you're a year out, six months into your treatment or 20 years down the road. And I think any of that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Dana. And you know what? Like I like doing this podcast and, you know, I started writing the book, all of that stuff. In other words, doing something that is bigger than myself really kind of gave me a better uh, grasp, a better way of dealing with cancer, of dealing with life. And did you in any way go through a similar experience with what you're doing with the Dragonfly Angel Society and, you know, writing your, your articles? Was that a similar in any way? Absolutely. I, I was kind of shaking my head as you were talking with what you have done. Um, 100% agree you know, writing a lot and kind of giving other people, you know, my opinion or feedback and then reading other people's feedback or, or articles or listening to a podcast and starting my website, the Dragonfly Angel Society, that kind of kept me going. That kind of helped me get my feelings out there, get my fears out there. And, you know, I, I kind of thought of newly diagnosed Dana 
I still do. Like, what would she have wanted to see, you know, when she was told she had cancer? And I think back to all the stuff I couldn't find, like, didn't know what survivorship was like, you know, uh, stuff like that. And so that actually, over the last couple of years, to your point, I agree with you a thousand percent. That has helped me tremendously. It really has. Yeah, that's 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 fantastic. Because yeah, I I really do think that it's. I mean, that is the sort of stuff that really is gives you the point of focus on something positive, something that is uh, really like an outlet for emotions, for negativity, and and it kind of allows you to kind of look you know beyond. You know, allows me to look beyond my my own fears and frustrations and stuff like that. So, so Damien, tell me about the Dragonfly Angel Society. What does it mean to you, and how did you get started? So, you know, when I was kind of done with my active, well, I wouldn't even say that. When I was done with chemo and I had had that, you know, initial crash and burn right after I was done, I kind of wanted to do something. I I volunteer. I, I work with the Young Survival Coalition and a couple other organizations to, you know, just stay involved and help to meet people. But what I felt was still missing was there was so little on survivorship. And I didn't know if it was because nobody wanted to talk about it. Like when they were done with, with their cancer treatment, they were like, peace out. I'm, I'm out of this realm and I'm not going back. Or <laughs> if people just couldn't focus on it, because obviously the most important thing is the diagnosis and the active treatment and, and getting cancer out of people's bodies. So I don't know. I was just like, okay, well, now what do I do? And nobody can tell me. And we've kind of been laughing about it, but there's no survivorship book or anything. So I'm like, all right, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. So I was thinking about it for a while. And then, you know, my mom and I were talking a lot and we had talked about this whole caregiver um, person as well. And, and the lack of resources for them. And she and I were just talking and like, we want to do something, but we have no idea what to do. And so then we were both kind of like, what if we do something on survivorship? What if we help people who are done, you know, and then kind of throw their hands up and say, now what do I do? And what do their caregivers do? And and that's really kind of how it got started because we just kept talking about like, what do we do? And I, I kept saying like, I'm lost. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with my life. And nobody has any information for me on how to be a survivor. And then I would kind of find resources here and there and books that I liked and ideas that I had. And it kind of, we were just like, what if we just put all of those onto one website where we could tell people, Hey, go here. And if you like books, if you like websites, if you like writing or whatever the case may be, or you want to hear survivor uh, stories, come to our website and we'll put it all there and kind of let you then choose your adventure because I can't give medical advice and not a, a doctor or anything along those lines. But if I can get people these resources in one spot, then maybe I can make it easier for them than it was for me. So that's kind of how we got it started. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Then I think when you were talking about, you know, what would you say to your old self? I mean, I felt that every step of the way, like if I was thinking of you know, when I was going through treatment or, you know, when the treatment's finished, I feel like I found out about all these resources that I've never heard about when I actually needed it at that particular time. And it's so amazing that, you know, I think that experience is almost universal, right? Like we could have all go, well, why didn't I know about this earlier? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's fantastic that what you're doing and what you're doing with your mom, because you've, you've got the kind of dual perspective, right? You've got the, obviously you you went through it and your mom went through it with you and you kind of bring it all together. 
Exactly, exactly. And and there are some decent resources out there that either a lot of people don't know about or maybe people just don't want to hear about until they're done. And at that point, then they just want to break from it. And then they don't realize, like, maybe they're like me and they don't realize, you know, two, three, six months down the road, two years down the road, like, oh, shoot, I really do need something. And that's why we're like, you know, come to our website and we'll kind of help you figure out where you need to go and get that professional advice you need or a website that you're looking for or something like that. Like it, it just seemed like such a thing that I wish I would have had to get started. And there's a lot of really good resources out there that I just don't think a lot of people know about. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's just about connecting people to those resources. Absolutely. You're absolutely right on that. So if someone wanted to find out, uh, you know, and visit your website, what would they do? So all they'd have to do, if you go to the website, um, the, the front page is basically, you know, it's our story. So if you're curious to know how we got started, but it's more so, you know, classifications. Do you like websites? You click on the website um, box and then you can see, you know, if you're looking for, you know, breast cancer or general cancer or young adult cancer, whatever the case may be, obviously most of it is focused on breast cancer. That's what I know best, but um, you can go to the websites and, you know, click and it'll take you on to, you know, this group or organization. You kind of just build your road from there. Um, If you're looking for books, uh, if you're looking for some magazines, survivor stories, it's all literally on that front page and you just go to the to the initial website and then you can kind of start your journey. Kind of like, you know, choose your own adventure, if you will. So we kind of just put it all in one spot and then it allows you to kind of go off to these other websites and organizations to find what you were looking for. It's very easy. And then we do some blogging. Um, we do newsletters. Um, you know, we try to connect people um, through survivor stories, things like that. All stuff that I wanted to see when when I was done, and uh, we're always looking for new resources, um, new people to write for us. It's just my mom and me, but um, yeah, I mean that's basically what it is. It's kind of just I feel like it's like the starting point for a cancer survivor or a caregiver. Either you know, right when you're you're starting your diagnosis, there's plenty of information, but the focus is more so like you know, you're done with your active treatment. Where do you go from here? That's really cool, Dana. I love it. So, and given everything that you know now, you've you've read all these, you've you've read all these websites, you've read all these books, you've obviously thought about it a lot, you've processed it from writing articles and the journal and everything else. So, as a cancer survivor, like, what is the sort of the best advice that you could give to someone who has survived cancer and now they have to like, um, deal with life? <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> it's a big one. Um, just be patient and just kind of let yourself kind of feel the path, you know, don't just like, okay, I need to go to four websites and I need to write, you know, four journal entries a day and write if it feels good. Don't write if it doesn't feel good. Um, you know, kind of just give yourself a break. You don't, you know, people will be giving you advice left and right and telling you to this, that, and the other. If you don't want to talk about your cancer anymore for a while, or you don't want to deal with it, and you don't want to go to a support group, or you want to go see, um, you know, somebody individually, or whatever the case may be, do it. You know, I, I feel like we get so hung up on, well, this person said I should do this, and this person said don't do that, and this person said become a vegan, and this person said don't. You know, just give yourself a break. Listen to what your your body and your mind is telling you, and go do it, and don't stress about it. If you never want to do anything with cancer again when you are done, don't. You know, I just feel like we get so hung up on like what everybody's telling us we should do. What is your mind telling you you should do? If you want to talk about it daily in a support group, go do it. But I I just think you just got to like, just let yourself follow what works for you, not what for everybody's telling you to do. That's such a great point, Dana. So what inspires you to live, to live your life in the best way that you can? Um, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that 
I, I feel like it was a wake up call. I, I want, there was so much I wanted to do and I had never been, you know, kind of, um, kicked in the butt, if you will, to get it done. And, and, and for me, it was just cancer or not. It was just kind of like, Oh shoot, there's all the stuff I wanted to do. I started making the list. I was like, Oh man, whether I had cancer or not, I got to get moving on this stuff. <laughs> so, so that was kind of like my wake up call, my inspiration to kind of, you know, I'm not going to say no, if I don't want to say no, I'm not going to say yes. If I don't want to say yes, like it kind of just, I don't know. I, I got to press a restart button and in a way that was kind of cool. And, you know, I moved to a different state. I quit my job and started something new. And, you know, I don't know if I would have ever done that had I not gotten sick. So now it's kind of like a little adventure of like, what can I do next? What's next on my list? And that's kind of fun. And it, it was kind of good to have that wake up call. Yeah, that's fantastic. Dennis. So what is next on the, on the list? Do you know, do you have some, some plans that you can share? Oh, I don't, I mean, I, I, I was telling you, I just took the, the, the biggest trip of my life. I, I wanted to go to Australia my whole life. And I finally just went uh, three Yay. weeks ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so at this point, I'm kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. I mean, that has been on my list since before I got sick. Um, and that, that took a lot of planning and a lot of saving. So I just did that. Um, honestly, I don't know what's next. I mean, I, I, I literally just lived the biggest adventure that I was hoping to live in my life. Um, there's more places I want to see. I'd like to maybe write a book if I could. That might be uh, next on my list and kind of just... I really want to keep the survivorship moving movement going and continue to help people um, who face kind of the challenges like I face. I've said it many times. I've struggled immensely with survivorship and the emotions. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD because of it. I, I really had a rough go. And I kind of feel inspired to, you know, maybe what's next for me is kind of getting a little bit more of that out there and, and helping others who experience the same thing as I did. And if I can get more awareness out there, I'd like to do that too. I think it's so important that people, you know, maybe there's nobody like me. Maybe there's a lot of people like me. You're not the only ones and it doesn't have to stink. And it, it's a rough go. It's definitely a rough go, but you know, there, there are good things you can do to get through it. Yeah. That's fantastic, Dana. Thank you for being yourself and for putting yourself out there. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for letting me uh, chat away. <laughs> no, love it. Love it. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks again. Hey, this is Joe Bakmutsky, and thanks so much for listening. Listen, I just want to take a moment to really thank you for your time, because I know that it's precious, but also I want to congratulate you. I really want to congratulate you on listening to this podcast, because as we both know, cancer is incredibly hard to deal with, and you don't want to go it alone. And um, you want all the support and all the advice that you can get to, to stay on top of it, to stay on top of your worries during cancer. So I, I want to tell you about the tools that I have available on my website on simplifycancer.com that can really help you. So all of these tools are available under the tools menu on simplifycancer.com. So tool number one, that's the first visit oncologist checklist. So if the word oncologist bothers you, like I, I know it really freaked me out. If you are worried about your first appointment, as, as again, as we all are, then this can really help you with some key questions that you want to ask. The key thing, of course, is having a list like this means that you won't forget something important, which is easy enough to do when, when you've got a million things going through your head. Plus, it's a handy PDF, so it's easy to print and write down all the answers so you don't forget. So then there is the outcome map. Like this is a really simple but really powerful tool that I have developed to help you deal with worries about something specific, something that's bothering you right now. 
So maybe you're waiting for your test results and your minds of running in a million different directions. Or maybe you've got an ache or pain and you don't know what it is. Like, is it cancer? Is that a side effect from treatment? Or maybe is that something else altogether? So it will kind of help you to put it all together so you can, you can get a bird's eye view and decide how to best deal with it. Number three is mastering your emotions during cancer. Now, this is a walk through all the stages that you go through as a patient and as a caregiver through anger and through guilt and fear and how you can address your needs, your emotional needs on every level during cancer. Like it came about after many discussions that I had with my friend and my colleague. Her name is Jill. Her husband had prostate cancer. So, uh, so she has this kind of caregiver's perspective. And we both like talked about how there are so many times, um, when you go through cancer, when you kind of just feel alone and you're struggling, you're on this roller coaster of emotions and it's kind of full on and it's hard to deal with. So there, there's an audio version that comes along with it. And there's a link to download the MP3 if that's what you want, or you can just listen to it online and, you know, and just uh, listen along with the PDF. So another one is testicular cancer support kit. This has a one page summary of what the testicular cancer journey looks like that you can check out for yourself or share with your family or friends. Like it's got a helicopter view of all the symptoms and treatments and who's involved and what happens when. And it's really great one kind of page view of like what happens during testicular cancer. Plus, the kit also includes like ready-to-go email templates for your family, friends, and your workmates. So you can kind of share what's what's happened. Maybe you want to break the news on cancer and you don't want to think about and wreck your brain on what to write. So you can just copy and paste. You can tweak it a little bit so to suit your personality and you're good to go. And I've also done the same thing for prostate cancer. So check out the prostate cancer support kit. Again, it's showing all the treatment options and stages on one page. So you can walk someone through it, like someone from your family or a friend. And they know what to expect and how it all happens. And of course, when you sign up for any of my tools, and we just talked about, you'll also get an email from me when, when there's a new episode that's kind of relevant to you right now and other news from the world of Simplify Cancer. And listen, I'm, I'm going to keep on asking you about how I'm doing here. I mean, are you getting what, you, what you're looking for? Was there something in particular that, that really made sense to you? Or is there a question that you want to ask? Or maybe there's, there's just something that you, you want to get off your chest, like, please, I need to know. Just reply to any of my emails or send me an email right now. My email is joe at simplifycancer.com. So that's J-O-E at simplifycancer.com. And send me an email whenever you've got anything on your mind. So again, I want to thank you for listening. Till next time. 